Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, high caliber fee-for-service professionals to always be working on their business and working on themselves personally and professionally. On today's episode, I had a great conversation with Chris Garcia from Ameriprise in Dallas, Texas. And among other things, we talked about what it looks like to be the advisor of the future. If you like this podcast, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And of course, we would love to hear any feedback. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome back to Always On. I'm Duncan McPherson with Pareto Systems. And as you know by now, uh, Always On is dedicated to the financial professionals who personify what it means to be relentlessly innovative, client-centered, ambitious, and balanced. And we are very fortunate to have somebody who just is the embodiment of all that in Chris Garcia from Texas. Chris, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Duncan. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and we've known each other for several years now, and you really do know what it means to work on yourself personally, professionally, work on your business. And uh, everybody listening in can read your bio, uh, get to know you a little bit better uh, behind the scene. But I just right up front, I want to ask, do you remember the eureka moment that you had when you realized that plateau avoidance and self-actualization meant going well beyond just your technical ability and core competency as a financial professional? I do. And, and Duncan, it really reminds me of one of my first mentors. He you know, shared with me is that I've constantly got to be uh, adapting, right? If, you, if you're not changing, you're going to get stale right? And your clients will recognize that. And so that was something that I learned kind of very on and just was self-aware of it and, and you know, made sure that every ceiling and complexity I hit, I was able to move through that to a point to where, you know, when I met you, I had been introduced to several coaches along the way and uh, none of them really aligned with what I needed, right? Because back to your point, I had the, the uh, a, a lot of it put together. I didn't have it um, buttoned up as, as well as it should be. And that's where the Eureka moment uh, took place when you and I first sat down, it was only for 15 minutes, but I recognized very quickly that what your program was all about was exactly what I was missing. And as we started, um, me and my team realized that we had a few things to get right and ready before we could launch. And so uh, it's been an amazing process, really kind of getting uh, everybody involved from the back end to bring it forward. And it's been, I think, three or four years. And so we are uh, we've been uh, on launch now for about uh, uh, 18 months through the pandemic even. And uh, that's that's really where it has uh, uh, was timely in that sense, because it's all about how we articulate our value you know, to our clients. Well, and that's a big part. And I want to talk about uh, one of the areas where you achieve professional contrast through branding uh, in a minute. But uh, yeah, there's no question the last 18 months starting in 2020 and then uh, to where we are today and beyond it Darwinian, not in the sense of survival of the fittest, but who can adapt. And you, you've been constantly adapting and not that it's been dramatic wholesale changes. There've been tweaks and refinements and optimizations along the way. And uh, that is again, one of those common qualities that separates the best from the rest, but let's, let's talk about professional contrast. So, Part of our core 
in terms of branding is ensuring that clients have uh, an equal appreciation for your people, your practice, and your process. So you've got a very deep bench, credentials. They're good at, everyone's really skilled and good at what they do. They like what they do, but you didn't stop. I really like the story, the origin of the branding of your practice. Let's talk about that. Yeah, you know, and I'd actually started this process six or seven years ago and just uh, pushed it to the the back burner because uh, I didn't know how we wanted to communicate our our brand and our our value in the marketplace. And so again, it was after connecting with you guys and and one of those things we took a step back on is saying, all right, now we've got the resource to really help to get this implemented. And uh, you know, back then I was only a team of six. And we had not, um, you know, merged any client or advisors in, haven't bought any practices. And so it was a perfect opportunity. And, and uh, I didn't want to move in a direction where it was generic in the sense of like a law firm, right? You know, Garcia and other advisor and associates, right? So it was really, you know, taking the time and, and effort to figure out how do we want to, uh, how do we want to launch? How do we want to rebrand, right? Because I think of, uh, you know, Cadillac for that example, right? They, they had their old crest and logo, and then all of a sudden they've got this new image and they've kind of, you know, moved up market, if you will, uh, in their brand. So I needed that same kind of lift. And what we'd found is that I was actually walking through a family office in the Dallas area. And I uh, was walk- talking with one of the traders who was an ex uh, uh, employee for another advisor, just kind of seeking, you know, uh, to, you know, connect over lunch. Right. But I I asked, I said, I want to come and walk through. I want to see the inside of a family office. And the experience I felt was very similar to our office. Uh, And that's where I realized that what we do uh, is we are that family office. We just don't work for one family. We work for hundreds of families. And so in, in the discovery process around the brand and the name, I'd asked for a, a word that encompasses navigation and um, the marketing team that came back uh, that, that, um, they came back to me with a word of azimuth, A-Z-I-M-U-T-H, which I had never heard. And as I looked it up, it's a three-dimensional navigational term, right? So if you're a stargazer, it's one of the ways you find an object in the sky. If you're on the ocean, you're finding direction on a three-dimensional plane. I said, that resonates. We give advice and guidance in a panoramic world. Uh, but I did a Google search of that and found hundreds of companies with that name in their title. So I said, but it's not unique enough. You know, I don't want uh, somebody looking us up and finding companies all over the, the place, right? I don't want to be third on that Google search or on the third page of Google, right? Uh, and so we changed that azimuth. We, we chopped off the muth and made it azimont to make it a family office name, right? Because the family offices that I've seen, there's a lot of monts in that name, whether it's Fremont or Rosemont group, right? And that's where it just, it totally aligned. So we are the Azamont group for you, Mr. and Mrs. Client. We are your family office. We are your family practice. Uh, And for most of our clients, we work with everybody in the family, up and down a generation line, not to mention the siblings of that same family. So as I tell that story to clients, it resonates. They understand it. uh, and, And most importantly is that most clients then recognize, wait a second, you don't work for everybody in our family. And it starts to kind of open that idea that maybe they should. Well, phonetically, it sounds established. It sounds real. It doesn't seem forced or contrived. And you, you know, obviously you're a serious student about marketing and branding and business development. 
branding is about not really speaking to what your value is, but what it does, right? And how that lines up with what someone wants and being able to back backstory the origins of Asimov with a client. It's compelling. It's interesting. And I'm, you know, a big fan of the Mont, the mountain being uh, a symbol of the journey, you know, climbers of Mount Everest don't hire a Sherpa to get them up. It's to get them back down. Clients achieve financial independence. They plant their flag. It's often anticlimactic. They've still got the rest of their lives to live. The complexities intensify, you know, with the sandwich reality. And it's kind of symbolizes your value, right? So it's navigational, it's directional. Uh, but what's really great, you didn't just stop there. You're right. You, you know, businesses have to depersonalize the branding of the practice that opens up for scalable growth. But then there's the conversation about the brand within the brand, giving an identity and personality to the process. Okay. So when we work together, I said to you, look, you've got many of the pieces of the puzzle. They're just not put together. Think of bricks and mortar. We came in as the mortar. You had most of the bricks in place, but we just help you build it together. But a big part of the finishing kick was branding the process, right? As a fee-for-service professional, somebody who thinks for a living, all about the future, future pacing, branding the process, giving that a name, giving that an identity. I'm really curious in hearing how your clients and how strategic partners have responded to that extension. Yeah, that was another um, epiphany that came about, right? And and uh, I just had a, a recent prospect come in, high net worth. And as I told them the story about our centerline formula, I could see uh, the connection that the one of the prospects made in their mind, right? They audibly let a ah out and then sat back in their chair, right? And I think they it really connected in their mind. And so uh, where I got the centerline formula was I was, uh, again, telling a story to the, uh, the marketing team that helped us to, to brand this. And I explained how I, I travel back and forth from my, where I'm from, San Antonio. I live in Dallas, right? And there's, there's two roads to really take. I-35, which since I've been alive, has had construction on it. And it's you know a three-lane road or two going to three. And, and you know, the construction slows you down. The traffic slows you down. It's a more stressful drive. Right. But there's also a way if you kind of head out Fort Worth and go down through the hill country where there's a two lane road, you know, the speed limits are 75 miles an hour. You hit a few towns. It's a much more peaceful drive. The scenery is fantastic driving through the hill country. And I'm at least doing 80, 85. Right. But in this in this drive, what I've, I've recognized over time is that there's a lot of faith and trust that comes on a two lane road. Right. If I'm traveling southbound and the northbound, you know, traffic is is also doing 80, we both put a lot of faith into these two lines that are just painted on the road. Right. And that's where that connection came. I said, that's exactly what uh, my clients and our families do with me and my team and our process. They put faith and trust in the way that we guide them. Can they get out of their lane? Absolutely. Right. Uh, when the markets are down and uh, you know especially last year in COVID, you know, one of the first questions we get is, are we about to crash? Well, if we get out of our lane, we will crash, 
if we do not stay on the road that we're on, on the path that we're on, follow our guidance, we will get out of this, right? And we will not uh, lose sight or we won't get off track. But if we make any, excuse me, if we make the wrong decisions at the wrong time, right? That's where we will crash. We will severely alter our, our financial future, right? And that's where that analogy came together. Uh, and it, it's perfect because there's so many different uh, road or travel analogies that can come off of that, but it, it then resonates right back to, uh, you know, family occupation, recreation, and money, but doing it through that partnership, because again, it's not us that's behind the wheel. That's you, Mr. And Mrs. Client, right? It's not our destination we're headed to. That's your destination, but we're that GPS. We're those, those lines that are painted on the road for you to help you to get to your destination uh, quickly. Do we want to go down that uh, stressful route of life down I-35? Or do we want to take that more scenic uh, route through the hill country, enjoying the experience along the way? Yeah, enjoying the journey, not just the arrival at the destination, right? And uh, what's powerful about that in the spirit of professional contrast is uh, many well-intentioned financial professionals, they talk about advice, they talk about helping their clients achieve their financial goals. I mean, they're, they're really talking about their intentions, their qualities, and their skills. And there was a time that was enough. Now it's a minimum requirement. Your point about the prospective client that just you could see their body language change when you said, look, we've developed and refined a process that puts every piece of the puzzle together. And we call it the centerline formula. It, it just has an impact. It resonates. And it goes beyond just your intentions. It says, look, there's no mystery here. We've cracked the code and it's not promissory on performance and rates of return. It's promissory on a client experience. This is what you're buying into, which is incredibly profound. And ultimately wrapping that it's proprietary. I can only get it from you. So that brand within a brand is like having the Intel Insights sticker on a computer, right? There's the brand of the practice. There's the brand of the process. Every messenger on your team represents your value consistently with the same messaging. Safe to say? Yeah. And it's, you know, part of the things that you've helped us to develop in that is, is after a conversation like that, again, with this particular prospect, you know, they have, they have so much going on that I love that puzzle analogy that, you know, I told them and they, they were asking for the plan. How quickly can we get the plan? Right. And I said, it's not about a plan. It's about a process. Yes. We'll be able to provide you a plan within 30 days, you know, a proposal, but as soon as we print that off, you and I know it's, it's, it's old, right. The data is outdated. Right. And so I, I explained how the process works and, and brought it back to the journey, back to that road analogy. Right. But I explained it in the sense that, you know, if, if you guys' life is a jigsaw puzzle, right. And if we turn that box over on the table and a thousand pieces drop out, now imagine we don't have a picture of what this puzzle is supposed to look like. Right. But there's all these little pieces that we've got to put together. And what you're going to hire me to do is to help you to put these picture, uh, pieces together, but to uh, understand what that picture needs to look like based upon your vision of your destination, right? And that's how we ended that conversation. I said, I assure, I'm sure that you are interviewing other firms, right? I'll ask you when you've made your decision to give me a call, whether that's to move forward with us or not, I'd like to know, right? And uh, what was great 
is that next morning uh, I had a UPS box delivered with a jigsaw puzzle of my road analogy, right? The centerline formula in the corner, but it's this picture of this beautiful road uh, through the hill country, right? And it's uh, and a handwritten note that said, look, uh, I think we're perfectly aligned uh, to help you guys put your, your puzzle together. You know, we look forward to working with you. We look forward to hearing back from you. And actually before they, they got that puzzle, cause we, we know when it gets delivered, right. They had already called and, and said, Hey, we're, we're moving forward with you guys. So, uh, but again, having that kind of those stories to tell, you know, how to articulate your value through stories that resonate and then the branding to back that up. And, and then even all the way down into, you know, having the, the puzzle ready to go, you know, sitting on a shelf to say, Hey team, let's, let's put that in the mail. Let's get it on their doorstep tomorrow. Oh, that's great. I, I love specific examples of not just results, but positive feedback. And, and I want to come back to the formula for a second, because when you, when you give your process a name and you call it a process, a system, a solution, uh, a method, it's all encompassing. It's panoramic. But the thing about formula, when you say you've got a formula, I mean, it implies it's like a recipe, right? We know how this is going to go. When you say that a plan is important, but it's, it's part of the process, it, you're, you're activating the sense that, look, you know, the velocity of your life, the trajectory of your life has to be process driven. The plan is important. But you're right. I mean, as life unfolds, needs evolve, the plan can become obsolete. We can update it, but the process encompasses everything we do. And then helping a client understand that there's parts of the process that aren't relevant to them yet, but we're so far in front of their evolving needs. So, so clients continue to respond favorably. Uh, when you meet with a prospective client and you trying to activate that contrast where they compare and contrast you to their soon to be former advisor or anybody else that they're vetting, how have they been responding to the centerline formula? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And you know, this, this particular story I'm talking about that was just a few weeks ago, the origin of that is a, as a magazine um, uh, that I advertise in, that's just a kind of a, a neighborhood magazine. So I don't know them, right? They don't know any of my clients, right? So it's, it's somebody brand new to us. Most of the families we sit down with are coming from um, advocates, right? Other families, right? That already work with us and have been working with us for a long time. And so again, they've known me before the brand w was launched, right? And so now they've got a way to articulate to their friends, families, and, and, and coworkers even, that uh, on on how um, how we work with them, and it gives them the tools to describe us, uh, so that when they come in, it, it, it's not a, a sales pitch, right? It's more of this is how we're going to start the process, right? This is what you can expect. This is uh, the team, right? And this is where we'll be in three months, six months, you know, twelve months, and then beyond. Right. And so it's, it's interesting when I have these clients that come in where it, it is, I've, I've got to you know, be on, right. Always on, right. For, for those that don't know the brand already and aren't, don't have that familiarity, right. Through a, through an advocate. So, um, so that's, that's an interesting learning. And, and honestly, we're getting a lot more of those call-ins, right. People calling in on the website. I had somebody 
uh, call in that was a referral. And then by the end of the meeting, they, they said, you know, um, how do you know so-and-so? And I said, I'm asking you the same question. I don't know the person that has referred you. They don't work with us. Right. So it's now like, how did we connect with each other? And um, they wanted to go back to them and they asked for uh, a, uh, a, cl- a client of mine that they could talk to, to uh, get a testimonial from. And I, I found somebody that works at their company. But my point there is, is that um, it's interesting as we're starting to get to that level of, you know, people doing the, the work for us and bringing us people, even if it's not somebody that's currently connected with us, it's interesting how those conversations are different from uh, someone who doesn't know us through compared to somebody that, that's coming from a recommendation of a client. Well, and the beauty of them being predisposed in advance of meeting you is never do you need to feel compelled to try to convince them to become a client, right? They're, they they want to believe they've heard good things or they've read good things. They've done some initial uh, due diligence uh, about you in advance and they're just looking for validation and uh, you know they want to come to their own conclusions. Have you ever had somebody during your initial meeting uh, as part of your fit process interrupt you and say, you know what, Chris, I've heard enough. I just want to get started. Yes, that has happened. It says, you know what, what do we need to do? Like we are, we're ready. And, and I've had it happen at the beginning of the meeting, right? Uh, and of course, part of the, the starting point is really just give more of my background. But as soon as we start getting in the process, they're like, they're, they're telling me, hey, you, you don't even have to go through the rest of this. We're, we're ready to go. Right. And, and that is, it's an amazing experience. Well, in business, the law of attraction basically means you're not trying to convince them. They're trying to convince you. And sometimes they'll try to close you say, look, I, I just want to get started. What do we need to do? That's a very, very powerful validator. One thing that's common uh, with the proverbial 25 year overnight success story is that a lot of people on the outside assume that it's all been easy, friction free. Uh, have you had some adversity you've had to deal with and overcome? You know, markets are challenging, right? I've been through two, you know, major recessions. You know, I even got my start prior as an advisor through the dot com bubble, you know, and so learning how to navigate that is uh is certainly a challenge, and that's something we all deal with. You know, there's been uh, you know, st- staff issues, finding the right people, right? Those are those can be challenges as well. Uh, and I've I kind of say this is, you know, when I got my start, I was seeing uh, people around me having those really quick successes. And I never had one of those quick successes, right? You know, and, and I actually look back to that to say, I'm glad I never got those quick successes so that I would step back and, and kind of breathe a sigh of relief because it's almost, almost that the momentum stops, right? And that's one of the things that I learned uh, is that I cannot ever let the momentum, you know, let off that gas pedal, right? Because in this business, you're either uh, growing or you're dying. You're never staying the same, right? Uh, but you know, that's what's allowed me to make it through any of those challenges that I've ever had is making sure that the uh, the momentum is always there, right? And to me, the momentum, because I don't do much from a marketing standpoint, it's it's really service to clients, right? Is is what are we doing through um, challenging times in the markets to be proactive, right? We need to be reaching out before our clients are reaching in, you know, with concerns or questions, right? And that's really the momentum that keeps, I think, this, you know, this operation um, headed in the right direction. 
That's a great mindset. And you're right. I mean, it's generally brokers that are the shooting stars, right? They come out of the gates. Somewhat misleading though, because again, they're not really building anything. They're transacting. There's a fixation on products and pricing and performance. And uh, it's the consultants that are the steady burner. And the incrementalism, right? Those force multipliers start to really uh, combine. And what I'm really interested in talking about, because you mentioned the, the family office, the multifamily office. So your business to client model uh, as a proof of concept, it's all completely documented. Nothing resides in the heads of your team members. Everything's completely process-driven. Uh, the rule of three has been embraced fully and completely. Give me an example of uh, a prospective client that has reacted or said something to you where it just goes so far beyond the fact that, look, I trust you. I mean, where, where they really uh, zero in on the things that make you different. Yeah, it's, um, that's, a good, that's a good question. From a prospective client, Right, I'd have to be this one most recently. I just kind of told the story on where I could I could see the the that concept being recognized in their mind, where it's kind of a, you know, it's almost like they were leaning forward, right? And as soon as it connected, they they kind of pulled back in their seat, right? They they you know dropped their guard a little bit, right? They say, you know what, this is we are in the right place, right? Um, and even for uh, I've had a client who just you know, recently retired and he shared a story with me that, you know, from our first meeting, right. Which would have been, you know, back in 2006 or, or eight, somewhere around that time frame. But he, you know, shared with me, you know, what I had told him then. And now this would have been completely unvarnished back then, but he said, you know, it, it's a process of, we're going to, we're going to get you to retirement. Right. And he was a long ways out. And as we've gotten to that uh, summit, right. Uh, there's been some health challenges in his, in his life that's, that's brought him to this decision. But he, he told me that, you know, he, he at some points doubted it through, um, our, our relationship, but, but stuck with the process and he's incredibly excited that he did because he's, he's there. Right. And, and we know, and he knows that he's going to be in a good position for the rest of his life. Right. More importantly, it's his wife that is he's most concerned about. Right. He wants to make sure that it's not just you know it's it's their lives. Right. That that uh, the money that they've amassed will support them, you know, through their longevity, through their retirement. So they're mirroring mirroring it back on you in terms of actually uh, validating back the fact that they feel a sense of zen because of the process. Yeah, exactly. And that's where, um, you know, and I told him, I said, back to the, the summit uh, analogy, right? As I use it, I say, you know, we've only gotten to the peak, right? We've got another 30 years to go into retirement. And so uh, this process has only just really started, right? But I feel confident based on the things that we've worked on. Right. And there's, you know, it's helping you guys to save. It's helping you guys to, you know, stay the course through thick and thin, you know, through two major recessions. And, uh, you know, to the point to where we're now at a point where we're going to have a low withdrawal rate and how much, you know, articulating how that, uh, you know, creates um, a probability of success that is extremely high. Right. 
because we're going to go through ups and downs over the next 30 years, but you guys can retire with confidence, right? Especially because it's, it's a, uh, he's retiring based on a health condition, right? And so, you know, it's, it's taking that weight off, right? And that's kind of what he shared with me is that, you know, uh, the stress around just, just life in general uh, is, is tough, but, you know, not, the financial stress is not. And, and this, this unique story, right, he kind of shared with me, he was in, I believe, the Korean War, and that's where he met his wife was overseas. He was telling me a story how, you know, back when they were dating, he was in San Diego, you know, on base, but they had, he'd gotten to a point where he rented a, uh, like an RV trailer, and, and they lived in this trailer while he was still um, in active duty, and they would put their money in a shoebox, and it was about $50 a week that they had to to manage, right? That's what they lived on, right? And and they would come back to this the shoebox and they would keep filling it up. And he's he expressed that analogy to me is that that's where they started, and uh, you know where they are today. You know that shoebox is is full. In fact, there are several shoeboxes full, right? And so, uh, but just understanding that mentality, that mindset of where somebody you know, from the start, right. Remembers that conversation vividly, which was, you know, 14 years ago, uh, you know, to where we are today. Right. And that's kind of where I get that renewed sense of, of, uh, of faith of what we're doing, right. We're doing the right thing. And, and back then we weren't, I wasn't as polished as I am today. Right. And so now, uh, being able to, you know, articulate that value through, uh, through branding, through stories, right? That really resonates and allowing the clients to, um, to be our advocates and introduce us to new families that, you know, because everybody's looking for that type of confidence, right? But they know how to describe it because they've lived it, right? And, uh, and that's where, uh, you know, these new prospects that are coming in now from, you know, uh, random places, right? Is our process is built to turn these folks into advocates, Right. And, uh, and again, that's where that momentum, uh, I've never let that go. I love the humility that comes from first generation self-made affluence, right? They never take anything for granted. They've got a really vivid memory about some of the adversity that they had to deal with. Uh, they tend to be pretty frugal and, you know, once they hit their stride, they have a confidence that, okay, this has all been achieved on merit. Uh, sometimes you see some arrogance in found money as opposed to earned money, right? And that's a big part of the role of a financial professional uh, in dealing with the dynastic elements when money goes into motion, motion and changes hand from first generation earned to second generation uh, found so, uh, yeah, that's great validation. To position yourself as a subject matter expert while efficiently creating professional contrast in the eyes of your prospective clients, strategic partners, and ideal clients, deploy a podcasting initiative using the turnkey process developed by Proudmouth. Learn more at proudmouth.com. Let's, let's pivot a little bit. So on a business to client model, you, you had the real 
eureka moment around, look, I don't just manage money. I manage a business that creates a client experience and I manage clients in terms of their expectations, their sense of anticipation, their loyalty, uh, making sure they're bought into the process, and of course, advocacy. And because it's all documented as a proof of concept, I want to talk about how you've taken that intellectual property and been able to put it in the hands of somebody else. Okay, so let's first of all talk about a business that you have acquired. Okay, what problem did you solve? What unmet need did, did you help them really understand that you could address? And what kind of impact did it have on the advisor's life when they agreed, okay, I'm going to uh, entrust Chris and his team at Azamont with my clients, with my business? Let's have that conversation. Yeah. So first thing is, you know, nothing was broken, right? And so, and of course, that's not what anybody's looking to do when they, you know, look to draft in or, or partner and emerge in with another advisor. But uh, it's understanding, you know, strengths and weaknesses. And so, and of course, that's what we're looking for as well, right? I'm constantly looking to adapt. I don't do uh, everything 100%, you know, the best way, the most efficient way. Uh, but, you know, in, in some of these acquisitions, that's where um, we have uh, created the playbook to be able to run as efficiently as possible. And so that's part of where that drafting comes in is that we're able to uh, take uh, years of, of development right? And refining our process so that they can plug in and it's, it's immediate, right? They don't have to spin their wheels kind of doing that um, step back that we did, right? And that's where, you know, again, even for an advisor, that's where there's almost a sigh of relief is now uh, I can plug myself into that and my team, most importantly, right? Because again, uh, finding the right folks is, is a constant um, battle, right? And, uh, and then training is, is as well, Right. And so that's what we've created in our playbook is to uh, to make it easy, make that rule of three. If we're going to you know, do this three times uh, or if we're going to hire in three people, we better have this to where it's replicated to where uh, those new team members can plug directly in, even if it's something we're hiring or if it's a, an advisor that's that's drafting in behind us. Do you have a preference between acquiring a business where the advisor is going to ride off into the sunset? sooner or later? Or do you prefer somebody who drafts in behind your process and you liberate them to basically find another gear themselves from fulfillment and liberation? Do you have a preference there? Uh, I really don't. We, we're, we're doing both at the same time, right? So we've got an advisor that is um, looking to retire in three to five years. Uh, and then one who's maybe just a little bit older than me that just recognizes the traction that we've got uh, that's looking to draft in. And so I don't uh, yeah, I don't really kind of look at it one's better than the other. And, and you know, just recognizing kind of the, the, the landscape is, you know, we, we need to be in a position to kind of offer both, you know, somebody that is looking to kind of take that step back and really enjoy their last, you know, five years of their career, right? Um, take more of the lifestyle on, right? Get out of that, you know, CEO role, right? And enjoy it. And, and at the same time, it's, that's where there's a really good handoff right, is, is being able to introduce a new process, a new system, right? And, uh, you know, and that's part of where uh, in that type of a scenario, since, since I've developed it and it, it is that team approach, 
we are, uh, the focus is to depersonalize. So depersonalize for that advisor that is looking to leave, but not personalize them over to me, right? Because again, I've got so much capacity, but really, you know, uh, sharing with them or helping them to realize that this is going to be a team that's going to be taking over as that advisor eventually retires, right? And so, you know, so that's kind of uh, where that's one piece of it. And, and then of course, you know, for another advisor, getting that far ahead down the line to, to, you know, kind of see how they can increase productivity by removing some of the barriers around training and, and organization, you know, implementation of the process and really just getting out to a prospecting level, knowing that, uh, that they're back, right. in their own team and in, in our team, right. Is, is there to support them to really become a rainmaker, right. And so, um, so yeah, both of those are, are important to us. How important was it to have an advisor fit process? So when you started to connect with an advisor who said, you know what, I, I'm thinking that uh, I might want to align with Azamont and, and really approaching that as if you were meeting with a prospective client, like the same type of mindset that this is not a, a sales encounter. This is a fit process. Let's see if our interests are aligned. And then framing it around, okay, is there a philosophical fit? Do we see the world the same way? Is it a strategic fit, meaning the clients are going to be elevated? It's not you selling your clients to me. This is about a, uh, you know helping a client you know, appreciate a, a deeper experience. And then the practical being, you know, this is a meaningful liquidity event where uh, everybody benefits. I mean, how meaningful has that been as opposed to just buying a business? We have had several meetings with, with teams from other firms outside of ours, right? Inside as well. And so I think that's crucial, right? Because we can't be all things to everybody, even in our, our practice in the, the service we serve or the, the service we give to clients, but even in advisors, right? Is we need to have the right advisor that is aligned, right? That has the same uh, beliefs, that believes in planning, that believes in, in wealth management, uh, the way that we do. Right. And so, so yeah, I think it's crucial. There are, uh, there are advisors that we've had to turn away just because it, it isn't, we, there isn't an alignment. Um, so yeah, we are looking for those that are share those same philosophies, share those same core beliefs. Uh, and I really think it all comes back to service and experience, right? Can you, can you deliver an experience? And again, as we elevate your, the way that you deliver that experience, right. Is, is it going to be received as well as it has been within our practice? Now, we've had a conversation in the past where you shared with me a story about an advisor, a competitive advisor, where you had to sort of break it to him that uh, you were going to be onboarding a client of his. And what he revealed to you was quite fascinating, a great validation of your professional contrast. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, this is, this is a good story. I mean, it was one... Um, that really kind of, I took a step back and I I brought this to our team. I had to share it with them. It was a client that we had picked up probably about four years ago. And um, she had been referred to somebody at one of the top leading firms out there. Right. And what's interesting is that in, uh, in the, in the way that the client positioned it with me is that we're going to have a horse race with, with my team and this other firm. Right. And uh, we will see where we are in the future. There was no set metrics. There was no set timeframes, but, you know, four years had gone by and there was a very noticeable difference in 
um, the balances. And the unique thing here is that we got the same amount of money, my team and the other, on the same days, right? Same amount, same day. So we, it's kind of like, you know, it was a, a true horse race, right? Where we're going to see where we're at. We, no, neither one of us had an advantage in any way. And uh, what, what really started the conversation is to say that, you know, one, let's, let's look at consolidating because there's a notable, noticeable difference. Now, if it was a minuscule difference, it, there wouldn't be a need for me to say, hey, we need to pull your, your money over. But because it was so uh, vastly different, I said, look, we can't allow you to keep your money there because we, you're, you're, you're not keeping pace with, with the markets or with your money here. But that wasn't what brought it over. That wasn't what made her, helped this woman to make her decision to, to go ahead and, and end the relationship with that other firm. What it was is she told me, she says, you know, as I call that team, I have to leave a voice message. And it's a day or two or a week before they'll contact me back. But I never get them on the phone. In fact, I've actually asked your team to call that team to let them know that I need to contact them, right? And that communication just wasn't there, right? Uh, and that's about the extent that I kind of knew. I've had a conversation with the, with the uh, other team, the, the gentleman there a couple of times over the four-year period. But when she made this decision, she said, Chris, I want you to call uh, Joe. I want you to tell him that I'm going to be leaving uh, and consolidating with you. And as I got, Joe called me back after I left him a message. He told me, he says, you know, Chris, um, I kind of expected this. We're not equipped to deliver the level of, of experience or service that you guys can. And that's where I kind of just stopped my tracks. I said, that's where in, in my mind, I, I go immediately to the marketplace and I'm talking commercial ads, right? On television. And this firm is got one of the leading ads out there that is, you know, explaining to the marketplace how their process of service and planning is, is the way to go, right? And the reality of it is it isn't, right? Because this advisor is telling me we can't deliver on that and we can't even answer the phone, right? And that's where I told my team, I said, that's why it is so important for us to, if it's within business hours, a call does not go to voicemail, it gets answered. Right. We have plenty of people on the team that if I'm not in the meeting, one of our associate advisors can speak to that client and the client knows that we're there for them, right? When they call in. Right. And uh coming back to the the you know, the way that th this firm's positioning themselves in the marketplace, right? I said, this is where we've got to continue to create our professional contrast because our clients are being bombarded with ads, right? Whether it's TV, their cell phones, their own bank, right, is trying to get them to become a client, right? Everybody says they do financial planning, but nobody does it in the way that we do, right? And that was powerful in the sense that it, uh, it's kind of a, a, a true validation because I've got the competition telling me that they can't do what we do. Can't or won't. And maybe like that, that statement, right? We can't do that. Boy, the overpromise under deliver is amping up, I think, to another level. And I think the marketplace is becoming pretty savvy about sniffing that out. But uh, I love that story, such powerful validation. And this is what's exciting because we talk continually about decommoditizing one's value so that clients focus on what you're worth, not what you cost. We talk about depersonalizing. And we talk about demystifying. Now, of course, 2020 and 2021 have 
manufactured an awakening, I might say, because there are several advisors as we come out of this that are looking down the road at the next three, five, 10 years of their life. And they're saying, you know what? I got to simplify. I get to get out of the minutia and I got to tune out the noise. I want my business to serve my life, not the other way around. And I say that because I'm talking to a lot of advisors that um, are, are, are they're on a collision course with a plateau. They're cresting. So they've been doing this for a while. They've got a great business. Some of them even admit to me, look, I'm making more money than I ever thought. But I know this isn't sustainable. And it prompts me to ask them the question. I say, okay, what do you manage? What do you manage? And they say, I manage money. And I say, no, that's commoditized. It's not proprietary. You manage a business and you manage people and you manage time. But ultimately, when it comes to time, what you really have to focus on is how you allocate that time. And here's what's fascinating. Typical advisor works 45 hours a week, 15 hours in asset management, 15 hours on practice management, 15 hours on relationship management. And I say to them, why don't you outsource the asset management? Get out of the asset management business. You've been doing this for 20 years. You've cobbled together 300 households, 900 holdings. You're doing your clients a disservice by sticking with the status quo. The way you manage money is not better. It's not yours. It's not proprietary. So, so the B2B dynamic that somebody could consider is, what does it look like for that advisor if they were to outsource asset management to you and your models and your platforms and your process, and then you in turn gave them your way, your proprietary way to managing their enterprise and amplifying their enterprise value and to managing their clients to insulate them from competitive factors, capture money in motion, and attract a higher quality and quantity of referrals. I mean, you're capable of that. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, the first part of it is just being aware and recognizing that, you know, I needed to build that process and to build that process, I needed the education. Right. So I went and uh, got a, a degree in, uh, or a certification in, in asset allocation. Right. And, I, and it, through that, I really created my own you know, philosophy or technique, if you will, of how to manage asset allocation. Right. Because asset allocation, in turn, uh, you can't manage for returns. Right. But you can manage you know, beta and alpha, standard deviation. Those are those things that you can control. And if we focus on those things that we can control, over time, it will produce the results that we need, right? But understanding that is, you know, I needed to have a process built that's going to allow me to, to create that performance that's going to stand up in the marketplace, right? And going back to getting that education was crucial and key, right? So that within Ameriprise, we've launched the discretionary platform. And so that's what's allowed this to kind of take another step forward. Now that discretionary process, uh, platform was launched back in 2011. So I'm hitting my 10th year in that program. 
And uh, that's where it has allowed us to take that commoditized portion of the industry and um, really kind of put it aside in the sense that we've got a process built around it so that you know, we know how to deliver advice and guidance around wealth management. Well, back to your uh, story, the horse race uh, story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the p- performance was distinctly different, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily what tipped her over. It was the fact that, yes, you've got the goods, but it's also the client experience combined. So your technical ability, you take that very seriously, but you've made that process driven. Like the art and science of the advisor of the future is, I've got the technical ability. I just don't stop there. I focus on what's proprietary. I run my business like a business. And what I like to say to anybody who will listen is, look, every investment of effort you make on your business, you are slamming money in the bank. It's like four savings. Pay yourself first by driving your enterprise value. So if I'm an advisor and I'm looking down the road and I'm saying, look, I want to get out in front of any plateau. I want to rejuvenate myself. Basically, what you're saying is not only could I adopt your process around asset management and all of those dynamics, I could also adopt the Asimov way and the centerline formula and rejuvenate my clients, create more advocacy, and drive my enterprise value. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it then from a conversational piece with clients isn't around performance, nor do they question it, even though, again, we don't perform you know, at the top every quarter or every, every month. It, it's not a question because our clients know that the process is there that's going to deliver the results that they need to, to stay on track, right? And allows the conversation then to shift into um, more of what their true concerns are, right? And what I think most clients uh, are, are concerned with is what they'll hear on, you know, the nightly news, right? Inflation, taxes, right? What is that going to do to the landscape, the, the economy and, and the financial markets over time? And letting them know that we've got a process built to, to handle that, right? Where the portfolio designed is uh, strong to weather through those storms. Uh, again, it comes back to that centerline approach, right? Is that that's where we've got, um, we've got that process in place uh, that we just need to stay disciplined to it. And again, that's what we're doing uh, behind the scenes is making the adjustments on those things that we can control, whether it's beta or standard deviation to adjust the alpha, right? And, and really helping clients, educating clients on what those things are, right? I'll tell you, um, as we kind of spend our time in the modern portfolio theory statistics with clients and comparing that with other firms, uh, it's only been within the last year or so that I've seen a portfolio that lines up uh, in terms of alpha, you know, based on the beta uh, and with what we do. Right. And I told this client, I said, you know, this is where you are is, is a good spot. Right. And so, you know, whether you want to bring money over here and consolidate, because again, it was another kind of where they've got money here and they've got money there. uh, I I told him, I said, it it doesn't matter. Right. Because I can tell you that you're in good hands there uh, as you are here. Right. Um, now again, that client decided to consolidate because again, I think it comes back to service, but 
that's kind of, I think the point that you're making, um, Duncan, is that as you put the right process around wealth management to, to not spend time on it. Right. And I'll share with you that over the last five years, we've had a, a major um, shift in, in technology around being able to uh, run a discretionary portfolio. It would take me six hours to uh, run a, a rebalance, right? Uh, which is basically all day to, to now we've got that built within our team and on multiple advisors, of course, right? To be able to do trading in about 20 minutes. And so if we're going to run a major rebalance, maybe it takes us about 30 minutes. So even us, we've got that down to where it doesn't take much time out of the week uh, in that, uh, in the friction, if you will, of, of just trading accounts to where we can spend more time on, on the, the allocation, the philosophy behind what we're doing. Uh, and do we need to make adjustments there? The quantitative clients are going to take a look. It matters, but the qualitative is how they feel. And your process, the centerline formula acts. It's like noise canceling headphones. They can tune out the noise and focus on what matters to them vis-a-vis form and focus on what can be controlled. And ultimately, it's uh, like a mid-course correction. Okay, we'll make adjustments, but they're connected to your people, your practice, and your process. That's a profound uh, insulator from all the noise, because obviously that velocity is picked up dramatically. Okay. So if you're an advisor listening in and you want to work on your business, work on yourself personally and professionally, and I'm assuming you're the consummate planner, planning your own future, uh, I would encourage you to have a conversation with Chris. If you're thinking about, okay, maybe I want to sell my business down the road, have a conversation with Chris. If you're thinking you want to minimize hassle factor, get out of the minutia and adopt his process to liberate yourself, have a conversation with Chris. We'll provide all the contact details. And a great way to test the waters is take a look at his models. And maybe if you get out of the wealth management business and go deeper into what's proprietary, your business, your clients, you'll find another gear in productivity. You'll drive your enterprise value. Chris, I mean, most financial advisors you interact with, their business is probably their most significant asset, right? So let's drive that multiplier further. So, Chris, I just want to thank you very much for your time, for your insight. I know we're going to do this again. Uh, any books that you've read that really had a profound impact? Yeah, most recently, um, reality-based leadership is uh, was was very insightful. You know, and just uh, you know, one for an understanding for me, but even in leading others, right, is helping to. Uh, identify what reality is, what your own story is. And that's kind of what the uh, first part of that book is, is all about. And yeah, so reality-based leadership, I would say is, is a good one, you know, not only for yourself, but in leading your team, uh, leading your clients even. Uh, and then I've got traction on my desk uh, that just arrived there this week. So I've, uh, that's the next one that I'm going to be picking up. 
It was about uh, 26 or 27 years ago, I think, where I saw Norman Schwarzkopf speak in Dallas, Texas. And he said, when it comes to leadership, people always follow character first, strategy second. And uh, I've known you for a long time. I know you are an equal combination of both. And uh, that's why you're enjoying uh, all of your success. And uh, your team is incredible. And your clients are in very good hands. So I just want to say thank you very much. I'm looking forward to doing this again. But uh, in the meantime, I appreciate you making the time for us. Sure. Thanks. Thanks to you, Duncan. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit proudmouth.com to learn more.